Welcome to the Servants of Fire podcast, where we dive into real-life application of the prophetic, evangelism, pastoring, healing, and so much more. We'll have special guests and your host, Alvin Kaufman. Hey folks, it's Alvin with the Servants of Fire podcast. We're back to give you a taste of some unreleased episodes. Sorry it's been so long, I haven't had much time to interview and build upon what I started. I'm going to be having more free time in 2020 to get back in the swing of things. So hit that subscribe button and give us a rating. You have no idea how much it helps get these interviews out. One more announcement. I am so pleased to give you a small sample of my friend Anastasia. Her song More Aware is from her album Line of Judah. You can find More Aware and her other albums on iTunes. Not only that, but she's an author as well. And you can find out more information on her website, anastasiamusic.com. A-N-A-S-T-A-S-Y-A-M-U-S-I-C.com. Anastasiamusic.com. Now, stay tuned for this exclusive, unreleased episode with Paul Keith Davis on the ministry of William Branham. been really enthralled with uh, William Branham for many years, and uh, I didn't realize that you did so much extensive research on him. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, actually studied his life, um, oh gosh, since 1989, <laughs> whatever number of years that is, 30 years. <clears throat> okay, so w- what was it that uh, really got you into William Branham and, and uh, um, kind of alluding to that, but as well, I, I noticed that you've also got the prophetic word from uh, Buford Dowell. So can you maybe explain a little bit more on both ends of that? Uh, yeah, well, the way I really stumbled across Brother Branham was um, in 1989, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and just, you know, immediately had a, uh insatiable appetite, you know, just to consume anything to do with the supernatural, with the prophetic. And I began to read... Um, you know, different books on, you know, modern church history. And the one that really kind of launched me into understanding Brother Branham, of course, by 1989, I'd never even heard the name William Branham. Didn't even know there was anything called the Voice of Healing Revival or the Latter Rain Revival. Never even heard those terms before. But I read a book called All Things Are Possible, written by a guy named Edwin Harrell, I believe was his name. And uh, it dealt with different ministers, you know, during the 50s and maybe even a little earlier than that, but primarily focused on Oral Roberts and William Branham. So that was really my first introduction to the ministry of William Branham. And uh, I, you know, then, of course, began to read some other books and you know, I had read some materials that kind of were less than flattering about Brother Branham, mm-hmm. um, which made me want to investigate it even more. So I eventually, I'm not sure exactly when, probably a few months later, somewhere maybe the latter part of uh, 1989, I began to order cassette tapes. I can tell you how far back that was. They still had cassette tapes. <laughs> but anyway, I ordered some cassettes from uh, the ministry there. I think it's called... Uh, Voice, uh, I forget the name of the ministry now, Voice of God Recordings, I believe it is, in Jeffersonville, Indiana. 
and just ordered maybe 10 or 15, you know, the cassettes and listened to them and was very intrigued. Actually, I had what really sealed it for me was in 1990, I had gone to a Kenneth Hagen conference in uh, February of 1990. And while I had some free time, I went across the street to a bookstore, and turns out there was a guy there that supposedly had one of the most extensive libraries of Pentecostal history in, the, in America. That's what he said anyway. His name was Joe Martin. And I'm told he had provided Robert Slairdon with a lot of the research material that he included in the God's General series. Mm -hmm. So I struck up a relationship with him, ended up getting quite a number of books on Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, John G. Lake, Alexander Dowie. I bought uh, several cassette tapes on Jack Coe, and, um, and then I bought a video on William Branham. Because you got to remember, this is 1990, long before this material was available. And uh, that video now you can watch online easily. But anyway, I put in this uh, video, black and white video, called Deep Calls Unto Deep. And um, <clears throat> after having read, you know, what I've read in the different books, I watched him minister. And uh, when I saw that ministry, something just was ignited in me that the Lord spoke to me and said, this is, this is the future of the church. Wow. This is what a no number of people are supposed to move in. And of course, what I'm referring to is, you know, what he, you know, what they said. He had discernment, which is basically judging the thoughts and intents of the heart. I believe it was the Hebrews 4:12 ministry. Hmm. And so that just kind of ignited something, and ended up ordering hundreds of cassette tapes, you know, after that, and just devoured them daily. And uh, didn't know anybody, you know, that even knew the name William Brown where I was living, and uh, so I spent all of 1990, 1991 just devouring this material, you know. Of course, I was reading other stuff, too. I'd read every book I could get my hands on on John G. Lake, everything I could find on Smith Wigglesworth, um, ordered about 300 cassette tapes from Kathleen Kuhlman's ministry, so I listened to her, too, And uh, but Brother Branham kind of stood out to me, and so... It still does. I feel like his ministry was very unique. Um, mm. I do believe. I'm well aware of some of the excesses and, you know, things that go on around his ministry, which is very unfortunate. But I have no doubt in my mind the Lord sent him with a very specific message to prepare people for this day that we're about to enter into. Wow. Hmm. So, in saying all that, and uh, you've described it, quite well um and that's one thing when i started to look into his life and you even bring up the name in some circles and it's disregarded right away because of some of the dirt that people have cast on it but when i look into some of that it wasn't him that started the, a lot of these movements it was people elevating him to something that he wasn't and he would never say that uh would you say that's right that's absolutely right i've actually preached that many many times over the years, you know, I started speaking publicly, you know, in the broader circles in 1994, 95. And, of course, you know, I was pretty excited about Brother Bannon back then. You gotta, here again, you got to remember this was 20-something years ago. And I would mention Brother Bannon's name, and I thought people were going to throw eggs at me. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. They were just, some of them were very upset, you know. And 
And um, <clears throat> so I began to inquire, well, what's, you know, what's the problem? And, you know, I found out there were a couple of main arguments. Some people said, well, he said he was Elijah. Well, I turned, come to find out he did not say he was Elijah. People around him said he was Elijah. But he actually pro- preached in 1964 rebuking the people for calling him Elijah very harshly. Uh, you can listen to it. It's online. I think it's called The Bruised Serpent, I believe is the name of the message. I'm not 100% sure about that. But I have it. You know, I've listened to it multiple times. And he just was very direct with the people. If you people don't quit calling me Elijah, he said, I'm going to leave the ministry. And the fruit of the ministry would have come would be on your head, not mine. And so, and they at that time were baptizing in his name, which is a tragedy. It is mm-hmm. a horrible, horrible tragedy that people would take such fanatical steps as that. But that wasn't him. He did not believe that. It was not in his heart, you know. And I remember one time um, there was a very prominent author that was well-known that, that I happened to know. And he wrote an article in, in a magazine, Christian magazine, and said that, that uh, William Branham thought he was the reincarnation of Elijah. And I just couldn't take that, so I wrote the guy. I knew him personally. So I wrote him, and I said, you know, I can prove to you. I said, brother, I know you're a man of truth. I know that you desire truth. And I said, I can prove to you what you wrote in your article is not true. I can provide you with material that would prove to you that Brother Branham did not believe he was Elijah. And he said, well, his followers believe that he was. And, of course, my response is, well, if, if a person's, if a man's ministry is judged by the conduct of his followers, then Jesus is in big trouble. Hmm. Yeah. Because, because people have done a lot of horrible things, you know, in the name of the Lord. Uh, you can just look at the Dark Ages. You can look at, uh, you know, just the martyrdom and, all that took place, and just horrible, horrible things that have happened. So uh, the point being, you know, he did not believe that. He was a man of God. He was very humble. Um, I believe his revelation is true. You know, he taught a few things that I can't embrace that that were cultural in nature. But his revelation, I believe, was absolutely true, and I have, you know, incorporated that truth in everything that I have preached over the last 25 years. Mm. So, kind of looking, you've also talked to people that have been in meetings, um, you know, and you've interviewed some of them. Can you kind of get, tell people what you took away from uh, testimonies of those people, whether it be healing or, or whether it be just as expensive uh, spirit of knowledge or word of knowledge gift? Um, so, let me make sure I understand you. You're asking me... Uh, about the people that I have known that were in his meetings? Is that what you're asking? Yes, yes. Yes, okay. Yeah, I, I had actually interviewed quite a number of people that were in his meetings. Um, yeah, I, I don't know the number, but several dozen. And I think probably the most uh, common response that I got from people was that the presence, God's presence, was so tangible that it was that it was almost, it was thick. You know, the presence in the room was, very, very tangible. Hmm. That's something that uh, most every one of them said. And others, 
were taken by his humility and his soft-spoken nature, you know, especially when he did ministry. And uh, I have met people that were healed in William Brown meetings. I'll tell you a quick story. I was down in Cape Town. Actually, I was in uh, Durban, South Africa. I'd been in Cape Town. I went over to Durban. And I was uh, preaching in Durban, and I don't know, well, maybe I must have touched on something about the healing movement or Brother Bantam, I don't remember, but a, a woman came up to me and and said that um, she was in a Brother Branham meeting when she was a young girl and said that actually her sister was inside the building because she was very ill and she was wanting to get ministry. But she was out, this woman was outside the church could not get in, but she had a very severe condition. I forget now exactly what it was, but she said it was life-threatening. And so Brother Branham, you know, began to do his ministry and and uh, ended up ministering to the sister that was inside the building. And interestingly, you know, told that lady, oh, you're here because you have a sickness and named what the sickness was. And then he says, in fact, you have a sister who's outside and wanted to get in the building but couldn't because there was no room, and she's suffering from, and he named that condition, and uh, the woman was healed, and she was in my meeting. She said, I, from that day to this, have not had a problem with whatever that condition was, and she wasn't even inside the building. She was outside the building. That's just one of many testimonies that I have gotten, and this woman, you know, when she spoke to me, oh, this was probably around 2010 or 11 maybe, uh, she was, you know, probably in her 60s or 70s at that point. But so she was still healed <laughs> Wow, from whatever the condition was. But, yeah, yeah I've, I've spoken with quite a number of people hmm. that were there, and most one of the most common things you get is that never one time was the revelation inaccurate. It was hmm. always accurate, you know, whether it be naming the people's name, their address, or what their sickness was or what their condition was. Um, and no man can do that. That goes way beyond a gift of the Spirit. That, in my opinion, that was Romans. I mean, that was Hebrews 4:12, the manifestation of the living Word that judges and discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart, which is a much deeper, richer ministry even than First Corinthians 12. As wonderful as First Corinthians 12 is. But yeah, the most common thing I think I got from most people was just how powerful the presence was, how tangible it was. I've actually spoken to people that saw what they call the pillar of fire in those days, which we would just simply call the manifested presence. Uh, They saw it with their natural eyes when it came into the room. Um, You know, whenever, whether it was, you know, during a healing meeting or or whatever the case may be. And I know in one one service um, that what they call the pillar of fire it came into the service, and about 400 people saw it. There's actually a cassette tape where you can hear the people screaming and yelling as the thing came, as the Lord came into the room. So yeah, I've talked to some of those people, interviewed many of them, and uh, uh, one of the most interesting things. I don't mean to just keep rambling here, but if you have a question, you can jump in. But <laughs> no, and in, in 1933, a very significant thing happened. And I haven't personally spoken to people that were in in when on the river when it happened, 1933. 
Brother Branham was baptizing several hundred people in the Ohio River. And some reports say there were anywhere from 3,000 to 4,000 people that lined the bank of the Ohio River watching the baptismal service. Mm-hmm. And some of it was actually written in uh, local newspapers. So it's well documented this happened. And uh, I haven't personally spoken to someone that was there, but I have spoken to people that knew people that were there. There was a man in Tucson, Arizona, by the name of Perry Green, and he told me that he had spoken with several people that were there that day when he was baptizing the 17th person in a big ball of fire, uh, you know, whatever people called it, different things, but it looked like a star or a big ball of fire. We would just simply call it, you know, the manifested presence of God descended above him and and spoke to him, and people saw it. Some of them actually heard the the booming of the voice. And the voice said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun my first coming, you were sent with a message to forerun my second coming. And I believe that, you know. And, of course, John the Baptist was not Elijah, but he certainly went forth in the spirit and power of Elijah. The scriptures are clear. And I believe, Brother Branham, was the same thing. He went in the spirit and power of Elijah, but he certainly was not Elijah. I actually believe there will be people anointed today with the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. Mm. So I believe it's completely biblical for us to believe we can be anointed with the spirit and power of Elijah. Doesn't mean they are Elijah, you know. Um, and he did not make the mistake of believing he was you know, Elijah although he had an Elijah-like ministry. I don't think there's any question about that. But he was also originally commissioned in the order of Moses. I don't know if you're familiar with his commissioning, but on May 7, 1946, um, he was troubled by some of the supernatural things that were happening in his life. So he went up to a cabin to pray, and you know, some people said 11 o'clock at night, but he said it was the 11th hour, which I think is an expression. It was around 3 o'clock in the morning, he said. That pillar of fire came into the little cabin where he was, and an angel walked under the light and gave him his commissioning, which really launched the whole voice of healing revival. And the angel said, uh, Fear not, for I am sent from the presence of Almighty God to tell you that you procure your life in your misunderstood ways or because you're to carry the gift of healing to the nations of the earth. And uh, he said, You'll... Pray for kings and princes and monarchs. And Brother Bynum says, how can this be? I'm a poor man. I'm an uneducated man. How can I pray for kings and princes? And the angel said, as Moses was given two gifts, so also will you. You'll take the people by the hand to discern the illnesses and the evil spirits. And if you're faithful and humble with that gift, you'll eventually discern the very thoughts and intents of the heart. So his commissioning was initially in the order of Moses. My view is that that generation was a Moses generation where there was a calling out of a body of people. But like Moses, they didn't cross over into the land of promise. I think that's Mm. for our generation. I think Joshua's are about to be raised up now. I think the two types for us today are Joshua and Elisha. The double portion of Elisha and the Joshua, they're conquerors and overcomers. They will actually cross the Jordan and enter into what's been promised. That's my perspective on it. That's that's what I teach. Yeah. So basically, you've kind of given us a takeaway. But how has this changed your ministry and the people um, kind of under you? Like, I'm I'm familiar with the word that Buford Dow gave you, and 
how have you seen since you've received that? How have you seen that manifest, or um, has there been an increase in in power or or healings, or what do you think it's going to look like in the end? Well, I, you know, I'll I'll be the first to tell you that I don't think we're moving in anywhere near the kind of power that we're supposed to be moving in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been what we've been contending for and believing for, and I feel like we've been through a season of pruning and refinement so that we can carry that. I've got a number of video blogs that I have done that are on our YouTube channel, the White Dove Ministries YouTube channel, where I've been talking about the powers of the age to come. And the Lord has spoken to me very clearly that the William Branhams, the Kathleen Kuhlmans, the A.A. Allens, the John G. Lakes are the forerunners or prototypes of people that actually tasted the power of the age to come. Um, which is what the bride of Christ is supposed to do. That's what the sons of the kingdom, that's what all of creation is groaning for, waiting for the sons to begin to introduce the powers of the age to come. Now, we're not moving in, you know, I've seen a few things, you know, but nothing on the scale of what Brother Bantam saw. Um, I don't know of any ministry that is moving, in America at least, on that level of revelation and power. But it is what we're aspiring to. That's what we're asking the Lord for. I don't think that we can accomplish our purpose with anything less. I don't think we're going to be able to talk people into the kingdom. I think we have to demonstrate the kingdom. So, you know, what his ministry has done for me, and his and others, I won't say just his, but it's kind of given me a little bit of a model, a little bit of a a forecast of what it's going to look like um, every single one, there were seven people the Lord has given to me that that foreshadow what's coming. That's just my personal life. Uh, I'm sure other ministries and other people might have others that seem to emulate what's coming, but there are seven that the Lord has given to me that tasted the powers of the age to come, and every single one of them reached a crossroad in their life where they were desperate for God and at some point, the Lord met with them. For Brother Branham, it was May 7th, 1946, in a little log cabin, uh, a wooden shack, actually. <clears throat> For Kathleen Kuhlman, her testimony was she was walking the streets of Los Angeles and, you know, uh, made a gut-wrenching decision, and that launched her into her, you know, international ministry. For A. Allen, he locked himself up in the closet until the glory of God came in the closet and commissioned him. You know, John G. Lake, uh, who was raised up under Alexander Dowling, you know, even while he was seeing miracles and seeing people saved, was still more hungry for God than ever before. And he says, according to his testimony, which is very well recorded, that he sought the Lord for nine months of prayer and fasting, and the glory of God met with him one day and launched him into his supernatural ministry. So there has to be something that catapults us from where we are to where we need to be. And I believe an encounter with God is the only thing that will do that. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time here. I know you were short, and uh, I just want to say thank you again for for taking the time. Um, sure thing. In the research, you know, when uh, one thing I'll just say is I believe that uh, the tapes that you mentioned and the the things, you know, God's given credibility for those who want to dig and and to find the the treasure and the gold that those men and women had in their lives for for our generation, just like you said. So um, if you want to maybe just tell the listeners where we can find some of your, your products and your ministry. Sure thing. Um, you know, our ministry is whitedoveministries.org. That's our website. 
we have about 900 hours of teaching on our video on demand there and a number of MP3s. Um, I, we also have a YouTube channel called White Dove Ministries where I've got over 100 um, videos. Some of them are webinars that last about an hour and a half, and others of them are blogs that are about 15 to 20 minutes each. Uh, I did, in fact, a series um, on Revelation 2 and 3 that has as its basic foundation the Revelations Brother Bannon got for Revelations 2 and 3. And, it's, uh, you know, those webinars can be seen, you know, on that YouTube channel. That pretty well depicts what I believe, you know. All those are free. They can go and anyone can watch them on YouTube. I would suggest that they actually watch them from our channel because those are the ones that we posted a lot of people post my stuff that we don't know, and I don't know if they've edited stuff in or out. So <laughs> I would ask people to at least watch the ones we posted. The quality is better, plus we can guarantee that's exactly the way I preached it. But uh, they can just, you know, go into YouTube and search White Dove Ministries, and they can find it with no problem. Thanks again for listening. You can find Paul Keith Davis material at whitedoveministries.org. And again, our music was provided by Anastasia Lavadier, more aware on the album Line of Judah. Find it on iTunes. <laughs>